Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. All right, so first, just by way of kind of introduction and why are we having Bethany come and share with us this morning and what does this have to do with, you know, our gifted series? Um, First, maybe you guys don't know that she's been a part of our church for many years because most of those years, she has been in Japan um, as part of our church. Um, She's been a missionary over in Japan. And um, maybe you don't know this, but our church has officially been supporting her, uh, both financially and in prayer, um, for many of those years, if not all. All of those years? All of my years as a missionary, so six years. Okay, so for six years, our church has financially supported her. And so what that means is that if you have ever given to this church in the last six years, um, all of the ties and incomes that come into our church, most of that money gets used um, for staff salaries, for the ministries in our church, for operating expenses, things like that. But we set aside a portion of everything that comes in, and currently that portion is 13%. So 13% of what you give, we give away. We give away outside the church to ministry partnerships outside the church, to missionaries, to people who are outside of our church, benevolence, needs, things like that. Um, We just see it as, just as, you know, all of us, we have our income and we give away a part of that. Same for the church. We have all of our income and tithes and offerings and we give away 13% of that. And so we have given part of that, 13%. To Bethany. So if you have ever given at this church in the last six years, you have supported Bethany. And I know that many of you also individually support her as well. So that's why she is here to let us know, hey, here's what I've been doing with that. And um, it also, you know, it really happens to go along with um, our gifted series, although I'd really like to say that we planned it that way. Uh, We didn't. It was really God's plan, and it just, he kind of like dropped it in on us, and we're like, hey, this really, this really goes. You know, we've been talking about being gifted and how God gives us gifts that we can then be a gift to the world, that we can draw others closer to Jesus just by being ourselves, just by using the talents and capacities and gifts that he's given us by saying yes to him in these small ways and in these big ways that he can then use us to bring other people closer to him. And that's, and that's really what Bethany has been doing. Um, and one thing before kind of she kind of shares with us, I just want to just give you an encouragement. As you're listening this morning to Bethany's story, um, as I was praying about it, I realized sometimes my own reluctance when um, missionaries, um, I'm hearing from missionaries and they're speaking to, you know, church or whatever context, I realized my own reluctance to kind of really take in what God might want to say to me because my um, first instinct is, well, I don't want to go to Japan. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to move to Japan. I don't, I don't want to be a missionary. God, don't. It's, so just, you know, it's fine. I'll listen to her. That's really great for her. But like, you know, I don't, I don't have anything that you can say to me about this. And so I would just really encourage you, if you feel that, you know, kind of temptation, to just maybe set that down and, and really open yourself to what God might want to say to you this morning about the nations or about anything, you know, for that matter. So, so yeah, that's it for my encouragement. 
Okay, so Bethany, so what, for those of you, who, for those that don't know you, you know, why don't you just first, you know, start by catching them up, you know, how, how did you get to Japan? Like, how did you, where did that start? How did you do that? Yeah. Um, so first, as Emily was explaining, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has been supporting me in prayer and finances. Um, I wouldn't have been able to be in Japan these last six years without you guys holding me down through prayer. So thank you so much, especially this last term with COVID. Yeah, yeah. And then second, as Emily kind of alluded to her experience listening to missionaries, I never expected that I would live in Japan. I never expected I would stay there for 11 years, and I did not expect I would ever become a full-time missionary. So just be open today to what God might do. Um, and I have a long story. I can't fit 11 years in 20 minutes really easily. So if there's anything, like I'm leaving out a lot of details, but if you're curious about anything or want to ask me any questions, I'll be hanging out after service. I'd love to grab coffee and get to share more with you personally um, about what God has been doing in my life. So uh, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I gave my life to Christ when I was a sophomore in university. And um, as I was graduating, that was how God led me to our Vineyard family. Uh, so I, I was a student at Mizzou, and I was getting ready to do a teaching fellowship uh, back here at home in St. Louis. And I knew before jumping into that fellowship, I needed a home church. Um, and my first time coming into the vineyard, I knew it was home, and it was, it was almost 11 years ago to the day. I think it was in July um, when I first started really? coming, coming huh. to the church, so it's been 11 years, and um, I needed this church family. That first year of teaching was, was really hard, uh, and a big part of that was because it was 2009, 2010, and it was the recession. And by the end of the school year, I had actually, I had completed my fellowship, but I had lost my job um, due to all the downsizing. So I was really depressed that year. Uh, I was in a hard space. I was kind of burnt out, and I was really lost, and I didn't know um, the next steps that God wanted me to take. And so a lot of prayer ministry at this church, and... Um, through that, I ended up going to a teaching fair uh, back at Mizzou, and they held it in the um, basketball court, so it was a huge teaching job fair. And I remember looking at the map, I was really nervous, and I decided I needed to um, practice interview um, before I talked to any of the real schools that I wanted to, to what, that I thought I wanted to teach at in St. Louis. Well, looking at the map, I saw that there was a booth for Japan, and I thought to myself and, and said it to God, oh, I'm not going to Japan. I'll go practice interview there. <laughs> He's, so years, <laughs> He's so funny. so <laughs> funny. 11 years later. Um, so I ended up talking to a school that had been founded by missionaries, and um, they were an English language school in uh, north, northeast Japan, so uh, the city Sendai. And I ended up getting the job and moving to Japan in February 2011. And if 2011 ring and Japan rings a bell for anybody, I actually moved to Japan one month before the big earthquake and tsunami disaster in Sendai. So um, that's a, a whole nother story, but 
um, through a lot of deep prayer um, in that 24-hour period after the disaster, I knew God wanted me to stay, and I ended up staying at that school for another four years, teaching English, and the whole time I was attending a uh, little local Japanese church, and my heart for this church over the years just grew and grew and grew, and the church was also growing um, during that time too. Uh, there's just something, there was an awakening that happened in Northeast Japan um, after the disaster and a lot of Japanese people were trying to find hope um, and some of them were turning to the church and so I got to see our church growing and um, during those four years it was pretty much just my pastor and his wife trying to do everything and so eventually God put it on my heart that I wanna serve full-time at this church somehow. And through God's timing, I met uh, missionaries with SIM and Asian Access right at the right time, um, the second half of my fourth year at the school. And I, after meeting with them and hearing, um, they had actually been wanting to partner with my church um, pretty much since the disaster. So they were looking for some, a missionary to place at the church, and I pretty much come out and say, here I am, I want to work at this church. Well, and if I might interject, I remember, um, you know, at that time, just, you know, kind of in terms of like this gifted series that you're really gifted administratively. That's high praise coming from Emily. <laughs> <laughs> she is. Um, and so I don't know that you know, at least in my mind, you know, when I think missionary, I think like out in like the bush, like, you know, talking with like native tribes and things like that. But you were like largely coming into this church, Praise Community Church, as, you know, administratively and helping like build some structures and supports, right? Yes. Um, so that's exactly kind of how it happened. I saw that um, my, my pastor and his wife are kind of like the... Uh, uh, in Japan, it's really popular to do personalities by your blood type. So they were uh, type B and type O, which are not uh, type A people. <laughs> and so, so organization and um, kind of the background stuff was not their strong points. Uh, and I just, I love kind of strategizing and bringing structure out of chaos. And uh, there was a little bit of where PCC was at at the time. Yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> and so, um, and so that's where I saw my place. And um, it was at that time, 2015 and 2016, that I left the school and I came back and um, started to share with the church family and build my support team. And I was able to return uh, to Japan to Praise Community Church uh, in September 2016. Um, and so my church, this is, uh, the bottom picture is, um, it was my, my last day at the church, and then the next slide is some of our pictures pre-COVID. Um, so a lot of uh, children's outreach and uh, English, English teaching outreach. Oh, I um, see the little smiley faces. Are those all the kids? Yes. <laughs> Protecting some identities. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, I went, I went back uh, September 2016, and I jumped into, I had learned a little bit of Japanese before, but uh, working at the English school, I was in a little English bubble. So this was a, a good chance to really dive into the Japanese. So I was studying my Japanese, and um, SIM and Asian Access, their vision for ministry 
uh, and missions is that the missionary comes alongside the local church and the local pastor to empower and kind of be a catalyst for that pastor and that church's vision for their church and their community. So I was just coming up alongside what God was already doing and using my giftedness to serve the church in that way. Um, so I was able to kind of do a lot of the background structure stuff and uh, get more people involved on Sunday mornings. Um, and then I even got to be a part of establishing our regular women's small group uh, in Japanese. So if you don't believe in miracles, Whoa. that's a miracle. <laughs> like, yes. Um, and very humbling. Uh, the first six months, it was them correcting a lot of my Japanese. So, Good, good lessons. Yes, very good lessons. Um, so that's what I did for my, my first three years. And I took a season between my second year and going into my third year of about a month of just uh, coming away with God and seeking seeking deeper intimacy with him. And I knew at the end of that month that he would kind of give me some next steps. Um, the, my term was starting to come to an end. Do I, ex do I do another term? Do I stay at Praise Community Church? Or do I let my organization move me to another church? Do I stay with SIM and Asian Access? Or is something else on the table? Um, so I was, I was praying. And uh, by the end of that month, I got an answer from God. And I knew it was from him because it annoyed me. <laughs> so if you want a spiritual discernment tip for today, if the answer annoys you, it's probably not from you. So Because you wouldn't have chosen it. No. Yeah. And he just gave me the quiet assurance that I was going to do another term with Asian Access at PCC. And it was that another term that annoyed me. I'm like, but what about after that? Mm. And so he, and he didn't show me. He's just like, another term. He had good plans. He had good plans. Um, and so that was, that was my plan. I, I finished out my term, and I came back for my home assignment in September 2019 um, to kind of rest, refresh, and gear up to go back for my second term. In March of 2020. Anyone remember what happened in March of 2020? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> COVID. <laughs> So, yeah. that didn't go as planned. No. <laughs> what happened there? Yes. So, yes, the home assignment was supposed to be six months from September until March 2020. And as everybody knows, COVID kind of broke the world. And um, Japan's travel restrictions have been really strict throughout the whole pandemic. And right at the beginning, um, I was, even though I was a resident, um, they were only allowing citizens and permanent residents to come back in. So, I was shut out. And I was shut out for, there was no, I didn't know how long I was going to be shut out for. And so we went on extended home assignment. I started to re-engage with some ministry in Japan through the miracle of Zoom. And um, just kind of went into this waiting and this holding pattern. And um, about uh, a week after that happened, I got connected with my now husband. And actually, I was reflecting my last time that I was up here, I was getting married. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So, um, yes, I met um, Josh soon after I got stuck um, from returning to Japan. So, yes, 
there were a lot of things that didn't go according to my plan, and I could not have predicted that a global pandemic was gonna break out on my home assignment. I could not have predicted I was about to meet my husband, and when those two things happened, suddenly it made sense why God only told me another term. And um, it was actually, our first three dates were on Zoom, and date number four was our first in-person date. And I told him at the end of that date, I told Josh, when Japan opens up, I'm going back. What do you think of that? And his answer was, I'm willing to walk with you and see what God does. And I'm like, good answer. <laughs> it was soon after that that I knew we were going to get married. And so, um, and I knew that it was my last term. Um, and so... Soon after meeting Josh and knowing that we were um, heading towards marriage, I shared with my, um, my church leadership in Japan and my, um, my mission, SIM and Asian Access. And they, my leadership at Asian Access, uh, I didn't know it until a few months later, but as soon as they heard about Josh, they started praying and conspiring a little bit um, <laughs> about how they might keep me. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Don't you feel so highly valued by that? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So, um, so I was able to return to Japan in September 2020. Um, God opened up the doors right at the right time because my re-entry permit on my visa was about to expire, and then I'd be really stuck. So I returned to Japan days before my re-entry permit was expiring. Wow. So he just had that. He just had it all worked out and all planned out. Yes. Really. Yeah. Um, and I'm so grateful for these like big, big things that he did because uh, I don't know if I would have been able to brave international travel during COVID without a lot of these assurances. And returning to the church, it was a very different environment than the church when I left it in September 2019. Yeah. So now you're there. You're it's COVID. You're entering your what you are pretty sure is going to be your last term at this point. And, you know, take us through what, what are some of the things that God kind of did or like spoke to you or did through you or you saw him do in your second term? Uh, there was a lot going on. Um, most of the uh, in-person church activities, uh, Japan had a lot of state of emergencies and anytime a state of emergency went out, we stopped meeting in person, went fully online. Um, so a lot of the in-person activities, uh, pretty much all of our outreach had paused or stopped um, due to the pandemic. And so it was kind of going into a lot of like crisis mode. How do we keep the church going? Um, a lot of you are familiar with that, having gone through that with the church um, in, in COVID here. And, um, but there were like a couple of big things I'm just like really humbled by. One, um, Praise Community Church, there were a lot of churches in Japan that um, they weren't meeting in person, so their offerings were stopping. And so a lot of churches were we're getting into like really tight financial situations. Um, God actually, before I left for my home assignment, kind of led PCC to start doing, um, putting the services online. We had some international Chinese students that couldn't always come on Sundays. And so they had requested that we um, do things online so they could stay connected. So we had already started getting online, but most churches, uh, 
um, Japan's kind of a paradox. A lot of us think like all the high-tech new technology comes out of Japan, but it's really an, a pretty analog country. Even when you're listening to the radio, um, they're like, you can call us in or fax us at da 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 da. There's no mention of Twitter, like nothing. So um, there, a lot of churches weren't prepared for how to go online. So God already kind of got us on that trajectory. And we were stable financially the whole time during the pandemic. Wow. And another big thing that God did that I had no anticipation that this would become such a part of my ministry on my second term, but we have had connections over the years um, at Praise Community Church with the homeless community in Sendai. And when I had left in September, it was kind of a, like, give out care packages and maybe get to meet with them um, once a month. To I came back, and during the pandemic, it turned into a once-a-week Bible study with up to 15 men um, off of the streets. Now, is this, I mean, is this something that's common in Japan to kind of gather homeless people together? No. Um, so Japan is a really high, like, honor-shame society. And so um, we got connected through the homeless ministry by God's grace through another brother, Travis, um, an American who had experienced homelessness here, and God put it on his heart to actually go out and find the homeless in Sendai. Because with the honor-shame society, um, homelessness hides. Um, they're usually decently dressed, um, and you might be able to tell walking along the streets if they're carrying a lot of bags that that might be a homeless person, but they blend in pretty well, and uh, panhandling is not a thing because they're usually trying to hide. So because of this brother, we had this in with the homeless community, and it took many years. Um, building trust in Japan is hard already, but building trust in the homeless community is like a miracle. Um, but um, my pastor had built up this trust relationship with them, and we actually, he got to be a part of getting many of them off of the streets. So we describe them as homeless, but a lot of them are living in apartments with government assistance now. And during my one and a half years back for, for my term, I actually got to see five men give their lives to Christ and get baptized. Wow. So is that... Yeah, and you had shared with us at, at Pastoral Council this week, like just how huge that number actually is contextualized in Japan. So the average church in Japan sees zero to one baptisms a year. So, yes, that was, that yeah. was huge, and that was unexpected. Yeah, and especially in the homeless community as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so that really became a huge part of my ministry during that second term. Yeah. So um, you also shared with us, and, you know, kind of briefly as we're, you know, rolling toward the end here, but how it, it wasn't all, you know, sunshine and roses when you went back. There were a lot of factors um, kind of pressing in, on you in this second term and, um, you know, how Jesus was speaking to you like, oh, the harvest is plentiful. Like, look at, you know, this homeless ministry, but the workers are few. You know, what are some other ways that you experienced that um, on your second term? Yes. Um, yes. Thank you. So it was, it was an interesting alignment um, that God was calling me off of the missions field as we're seeing 
like these five baptisms come up in my church. And I really got to experience the truth that Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And that includes the excitement about all these uh, homeless men coming to Christ and getting baptized. Um, but I also experienced the truth of that um, by unfortunately burning out. Um, so my pastor and his wife had gone on a study sabbatical and while our church leadership team was in effect the leaders of the church and we had my pastor's mentor pastor overseeing us, the reality of that was um, full-time church staff, it was me and another missionary, my friend Iris. And so we were the full-time church staff, the only full-time church staff. And though our leadership team was doing everything they could, a lot of them had families and other full-time jobs. So a lot was falling on us. And not just the the day-to-day of getting things done, I was kind of preparing for that, but I was not prepared for the emotional load of becoming the only full-time church staff. And suddenly, people are confiding in me with like deep things in their lives and not wanting anybody else to know. So then it's like holding on to people's secrets, and it's like one friend got engaged when she went back home, but her dad didn't know about it yet, so she couldn't announce it. Another friend in the church was uh, struggling with infertility, and everyone wanting prayer, but wanting me to hold on to these heavy burdens with them. And while you're also running the church, and the logistical load, and the structures, and all the other things you had been doing. And the and I know Emily will sympathize with this, but the decisions. Yeah. The decision fatigue. And not to mention, I'm trying to transition my 11 years of Japan life and be able to leave the country. And planning a wedding. And planning a wedding. <laughs> and planning a wedding. Um, so it was a lot. There was a lot. It was a and lot. A lot of my own emotional unhealth things that I, I know that God has healed before, but I'm like, oh, there's another layer to that, or that's not completely healed yet. Um, that was coming up. There was a lot of heavy stuff that was coming up in my family, too. So, um, yeah, there was so much going on that um, in February, I had had a nervous breakdown, and I had experienced my burnout. Um, and then David always seems to have his like Holy Spirit antenna up and he called me the same day that I had my (laughs) breakdown. Of course he did. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still wrestling with that. Um, I was looking back over journals and I had actually written a journal a year before my burnout had happened that I'm like, oh, I kind of knew, I felt that that was coming, and I had prayed in my journal, and I asked, like, I actually asked God, please prevent me from burning out, and... And he didn't. And he didn't, <laughs> and he let me burn out, and I'm still wrestling with that. I don't have a good answer for why, um, but, yeah, I trust that he has an answer. And when you say wrestle, you know, wrestling with him in it, you know, what is that? What does that look like to be um, with him kind of in that disappointment? Being mad at him <laughs> um, and just bringing that to him. Um, it's not resolved yet, so I don't have a good, yeah. good, pretty answer. But yeah, just recognizing I was like, I'm, I'm mad at you um, and sitting with him before that. But also like holding on to the truth of 
you're still good. Um, I don't understand it. I don't know why you allowed this thing to happen, but you're still good. Um, and I still want to follow you. And I still want to follow you. And like, yeah, I got to have um, coffee with Kitty a couple weeks ago sharing where I'm at. And um, it, it really is what Peter said after the crowds left after the feeding of the 5,000. And Peter just turned to Jesus and said, you have the words of life. Where else can I go? Yeah. And so now you're kind of transitioning into, you're still following him. You're still saying yes, even kind of amidst that wrestling and disappointment. And your role as a missionary to Japan is is shifting quite significantly because you're going to be here yes. in the States. Yes. So I am still a missionary. God has still um, kept that as a part of my identity. I'm not a missionary in Japan anymore. So wrestling with that identity shift. But um, my Asian Access leadership, as they were conspiring in the background, um, they reached out to um, the SIM home office in the recruiting department and started asking, is there, is there a space for Bethany to use her skills in Japan um, in the home office in recruiting and getting more harvest workers here to the field? And the answer was yes. So... Um, when my leadership approached me with this idea, I was already like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because during my first term, um, Ami Sensei was the leader of a summer program called uh, the Global Leader Intern Program. And we had um, a small group of Japanese ministry leaders coming alongside a small group of overseas ministry leaders and studying together and going out and ministering together for the summer. And the overseas workers came through my organization, SIM. So there were these um, short-term missionaries coming for the summer, and I got to walk alongside them and coach with them and help them process their reverse culture shock. And many of them were discerning whether or not God was calling them into full-time missions in Japan. Um, and so over three summers, I got to walk with nine different individuals, and two of them had actually started uh, applying full-time to come back uh, as a missionary in Japan. So in a lot of ways, he's been preparing you for this role of coaching and kind of recruiting, but really coaching and kind of releasing and, and sending people out yes. into the mission field in Japan. Yes. So... My fancy new title is I'm a missional coach and the Japan recruitment liaison for um, SIM. It's even longer than my title. I know. Um, so I still get to be a part of what God's doing um, around the world and in Japan um, by raising up more workers to send to the field. And so I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as we're kind of closing up here, um, I know that you've kind of had it on your heart, just some things for our congregation. You know, you have a very unique perspective on the nations, you know, from being in a different country and seeing what God is doing in a different context and a different culture um, and seeing and really having your boots on the ground there. Like, hey, he is doing way more than just here in Vineyard Community Church and just the United States and really just all over the globe. So, you know, from your perspective, what are some of those like hopes um, and prayers that you have, you know, for us in our church body? Yeah. Um, a lot of it, I feel like it's 
things that God's already stirring up in our church. Um, so COVID did a lot to kind of shake us and kind of make us realize that our um, spaces that we're comfortable in, that they can get shaken up and changed at any time. And so I think a lot, COVID has brought our church to a place where our eyes are kind of open wider. Um, and so that's one of my hopes that God would open our hearts even more and our eyes even wider to see what his heart is for all peoples. Um, he says in, um, I think it was Habakkuk 2.14, um, that, yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, he says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. And there are still many people um, in this world who don't know Jesus yet. Um, Japan is the second largest unreached people um, in the world. And um, yeah, what percentage there is Christian in Japan? Yeah, so Joshua Project, I was actually like, um, Joshua Project is an, an online database that actually tracks uh, unreached people groups and how, how, available the gospel is to different groups around the world. And um, last time when I was looking it up, I, it was about like 1 in 1.2%. I actually looked it up recently and it went up to 2%. I'm like, is that accurate? I don't wow. know. And so I'm, I'm checking that with on the ground people in Japan. So, um, but, but still yes. very small. Yes. 98 or 99% of people in Japan have are not following Christ, and most of them don't even have a chance to hear about Jesus because they don't live near any Christians. Okay, so what else? Any other? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, yes, uh, I also hope that God would, just as this series is teaching, that he would continue to equip all of us to live on mission for him and the kingdom of God and the hope that Jesus has for the world. Uh, and I also hope that he might raise up some of us to go out into his global harvest. Um, last time I got to share, during the ministry time, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share. I'm not the only missionary who's going to be sent out from the church. Um, and actually, Devin gave me permission. Uh, he thought that there was something for that in him, and he asked for prayer that Sunday. And so I just pray that um, all of us, like my invitation is, and the worship team can come up too. Yeah. <laughs> My invitation is just ask God to show you what his heart for the nations is and to look for his invitations as you read his word this week. But also, if you feel some tug from the Holy Spirit, talk to him about it. Um, there are so many ways to engage in um, God's heart for the people of the world. And you might not be called to go to Japan, but he has some part for you in it. So I just encourage you to talk to him about that this week. Oh, thank you so, so much for coming up and sharing with us and yes. sharing your heart with us too. Thank you. So, all right.